Empire. Thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, Ray Jeezy, and the homie Will T. What's good, fellas? Everything is copacetic on this end, man. Just had an amazing dinner. Actually, <laughs> was in, actually I had jollof rice to celebrate your birthday, Wale. Hey, you had what? Wait a minute. Don't, don't lie rice. to people, I though. Made, I, nah, I made it myself. Did it's you really? celebration of you. Did you yeah, really, dog? Absolutely. All right, all 100%. Up. I don't have no reason to lie. You know what? I'm, I'm touched. That's what's up. Yeah, Look, I made it in honor of your birthday, man. Man, you know I what? I was going to bring it to the studio, but you didn't do the show today from the studio, yeah. so I, I ate it. You ate it? But was it bomb, though? I didn't eat all of it. I didn't eat all of it. But, but, did, it, let, let, um, but did, did it taste authentic? That's the, that's the question. The folks, people want to know, bro. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say 100% authentic, but it, it, it was close. It was close. close. I'm going yeah. to ask you, like, I'm really, not, I'm really intrigued by this. Like, what did you... Hey, tell me the ingredients real quick. I want to know what you put into this thing. Uh, Romano tomato. Okay. Okay. Come on, bro. Um, this is good, man. This is good. Yeah, Romano tomato, okay. um, scotch bonnet pepper. Okay. Onion, red okay. onion, okay. of course. A um, little bit of ginger. Use bay leaf. Thyme. Yeah. Thyme, salt, uh, white pepper. Um... I said the ginger already. Cayenne. Wow. Pepper. No, no oil. Uh, you failed. Yeah. No, I did use. What kind of oil did you use? I'm not done yet. What kind of oil? He hit a lot. The ginger. <laughs> no, real talk. The ginger is like I, I, I get him proud. I don't even put ginger on my stuff. But go ahead, dude. I like that one. Uh, um. Then I also used. I used avocado oil. Avocado um, oil. I ain't. Or this is real yeah. talk. I'm gonna keep this a buck. Avo- no, I'm gonna keep this a buck. Avocado. It has a high. It has a higher smoke point. No, I get it. But I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep this a buck. I'm gonna keep it a buck. Okay. I tried to substitute and put olive oil. Ain't the same, bro. I go to you veggie, veggie oil or canola oil. That's it. Those well, like, avocado oil, it's, it's a little, bro, I'm you know, it's a I'm, higher smoke I'm, point. Bro, I'm with you, but I'm telling what, what, you. I what tried what type of rice, bro? What type of rice did you use? Oh, I use uh, basmati rice. No, that's that's not jello rice. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I use basmati rice. I was with you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, I like a long, I like a longer no, grain. No, rice. no, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're, that's, yes. we're not going to do that. Yes, we are. No, that's we're what not going to do that. Some basmati. No, we're going. You get the white. No, you need the white. I'm racist. The guy had the white roll. Every that, that thing got to be real, bro. No. And you gotta get it from the it's international white, it store. It was white. It was white. It was white. You gotta get it, rice. You gotta get the big box from the international store, bro. You gotta get the nah. <laughs> you gotta nah. see. You know what? I I failed you as a friend, and I will never do that again. Like I you, look when I cook it, you won't be here, and you are gonna see what I'm talking about. All right, let me know. Well, well, well they don't put enough oil in here. No, it's I do now. Hey, no, 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 no. Look, real talk. I've got. I put more oil in my. But I don't like too much oil. It don't taste good when it's too oily. No, you, y'all both try to make a healthier version. No, I went no right. No right. I, I I ignored the healthy version because it, it doesn't taste the same. I've done it the, the the correct way. I've 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 decided not to go that route, and I've done it one way. I over like after. Oh yeah, I, I had, uh, of way. course chicken 
chicken stock. You, I com- you should use chicken chicken broth, chicken stock, chicken broth. Yeah, I use, yeah. I use um, I use both. You should mix both of them, chicken and beef. Take oh, you do? Yeah, mix both of them. Taste bomb. I've never, I never thought of doing that. And there's jalope seasoning too. I mean, I use that just for an extra kick. There's some jalope seasoning. Oh, okay. Actual jalope seasoning. Like I said, it's not authentic. Wasn't terrible. Look, man, you it was better. It, it was good. It, it was it, it was better than decent. Okay, I respect you know? that. I mean, it's better. I mean, look, you was basmati rice. You just combine Indian and Nigerian together, bro. <laughs> there was nothing wrong well, with Africa, that. West African. Let me not be disrespectful. West Africa, like I'm not going. Listen, to I used to what was in my house, <laughs> and that I did not have to go out and spend more money on. Respect. Like he said we going, we going chopped on them. We playing that Yahoo <laughs> Network game. <laughs> going to the pantry and make jollof fries. Hey, you know, hey man. Look, I'm glad that Will T has caught up with his roots. His roots. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, he lost his card on that one. Look, look, look. Behold, I mean, he's, look, look. Hey, right, he's trying. You know what I'm saying? All the like my roots jokes about it. He is now embodying the Kuta Kinte mentality. I respect this, right? This is my dude. <laughs> this is my dude. All right, Will, you got to wear some sandals next time. Hey, hey, I, I, I was in Annapolis and I peeped, the, I peeped the Africans. I, all my girl was like, "How you know he's African? Look at the sandals." And they the real ones. It ain't that BS stuff. It's the real, like, authentic, like, sandals. You know what I'm saying? And that that Payless crap. We talking about the real, the Jordans, the sandals and crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Cue the Lion King music. <laughs> Can't you feel? Sorry, go ahead. Um, anyway, we're, we're part of Empire Media. You can check us out at AmpireMedia.com. Uh, Empire Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows, such as the John Kime Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Commanders insider John Kime, and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today insider Mike Jones. Subscribe to our podcast on on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. This show can also be found on Podcast DC, the local app with hundreds of options in local news and health in the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Empire shows as well as other great content. Don't forget to tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. And last but not least, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debate. Will T. Let's get into our tradition, the pregame. Here's what we have on tap. The NFL draft starts this week. The first round starts Thursday. We'll discuss who we think the Washington Commanders will draft. Finally, in our segment, HBCU Corner, we we have a pre-taped interview with the voice of Morgan State, Lamont, Germany, and Heritage Sports Radio Network's uh, uh, coach, Jimmy Fly Hellman. Uh, They'll be, they are the excuse me, they are the play-by-play uh, basketball team for Morgan State. But first, round one of the NFL draft goes down Thursday. The Washington Commanders have the 11 pick overall. What should Washington do with that 11 pick, Ray? So Washington, in my eyes, is still a defensive football team, and if Marty Herney is truly the VP of player personnel. He should construct a defense similar to how he did in Carolina. It doesn't have to be the same, the same makeup, but still, 
I believe he needs to be the architect of the defense, a defense that's going to create turnovers and wreak havoc and help the offense. Because to me, this Washington football team is not going to be an offensive juggernaut. I don't care what they say about the current offensive coordinator. Shots fired. But anyway, with that being said, I just I just think if you're going to be a defensive football team, again, this is just my opinion, I would trade up a few spots and take Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU. He's falling because of injury. And he's one of the top players, not just one of the top corners. He's probably the top corner, but he's one of the top players in this draft. You probably won't have to give up much in addition to the 11th pick. So that's what my move would be if I'm the Washington Commanders. Will T. Uh, I agree with Ray, you know, to this team's base, their strength is on defense. So, you know, and you've already have you have a stacked front four. Right, you, you drafted Jarman Davis in the first round last year. I think it's time to show that back for some love. And if he's available, um, I don't know. If, you know, I, I haven't watched any mock drafts or anything like yeah. that. But the guy um, from Notre Dame, yeah, Kyle yeah. Hamilton, six yeah. four. Um, it's almost like having a linebacker back there at safety. And we saw, mm. you know, just what Landon Collins was able to do playing in the box with this defense. So if you bring another guy who has that size, athleticism, um, and who's a, a ball hawk and can make plays, I think you would be Washington would be best suited by selecting that guy in the first round. But if he isn't available, I think you got to go for one of those top corners. Um, you want the guy Derek Stingley, yeah. who Ray said, or the from LSU, or the young man from um, Cincinnati, who I saw play. Gardner. Uh, Gardner, Sauce. yeah. Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner, yeah. I, I couldn't believe that was his first name, but yeah, Sauce Gardner. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a, I think I'm leaning to where it's, it's what you all are you're talking about. I mean, I think this team has already built their built themselves as a defensive squad. Um, mm-hmm. Ideally, personally thinking, I mean, per, for me, I would I would I have a I have a vibe that they'll get Kyle Ham uh, Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame to safety. I think that's a perfect that's a good fit. Um, safety mm-hmm. hasn't been the strongest place since you know since. You know, 21 passed away. Um, so I think that you get a guy that, you know, his 40 time wasn't the best. But if you look at what he did on Saturdays in terms of skill, uh, he produced. And a lot of people were high on him, you know, prior to like 40s and whatnot. They looked at him as a stud, as, as one of the best players in college, defensive players in college football. And, you know, you have an opportunity if he does drop to you to pick him up. I think that's a guy that is a perfect, is, is a good fit for this Washington um, Commanders team. But my whole thing is get the best player available. Um, if you think that I've actually thought about it and thought hard about it, I know like what Ray said that, you know, offense isn't, you know, isn't like defensive. This team is built defensively, but I'm like, now that I think about it as it gets closer and closer, boy out of Alabama, um, Jamison Williams, I know he's mm-hmm. coming off the ACL, but it's an ACL. If you can wait another year and get the real, you'll get the real Jamison Williams in year two, I'll get him. Like that's a dude that I think that could be a number one on any on any ball club down the road, and I know people are like, "Well, you, they need them now." Like, does it really matter if you're looking at an organization trying to build a power, build an offensive team? You can't wait an extra year. It's not like this team's gonna win the Super Bowl next year. They're not that type of team. So why can't you draft a Jamison Williams if you think that in the long run he's gonna be the best wide receiver in his class? Okay, that's a fair point, Wale. Um, Jamison Williams, he, before the injury in Alabama, he looked as if he would be a top 10 pick, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But what I think one thing you're failing to uh, take into consideration is this team still needs to sign Terry McLaurin. So what are you going to pay Terry McLaurin $20 million and then 
when you get uh, as Jamison Williams gets further along in his rookie contract, oh. you know, if you aren't able to franchise him or sign him to a long-term deal, you won't have to also be paying him another 10 to $15 million. So that's a lot of money to have tied up in that wide receiver, in that wide receiver and, position. And ain't going to hurt the Cincinnati Bengals. They didn't really need Ch- uh, Jamar Chase. They got him. They didn't need him going that's into true. the draft. They, they should have went ta- – everyone thought they should have went tackle. I'm just feeling like, to me, if he's the best player on the board and he's that kind of wide receiver, like you mentioned, before that injury, he was the best wide receiver in a deep wide receiver class. If he slips to you, you're already getting you're getting an advantage in that situation. Like you're getting an advantage at a point where this guy wasn't supposed to drop to you, and you're going to get him. It's almost like, for instance, I'm not saying he is this individual, but we'll go years in, in our youth when because of you know a bad image, Randy Moss slipped to Minnesota. Did they need Randy Moss? They had Jake Reed and, and, and Chris Carter. No, because they knew they had the best player. Or to them, the best player in the draft. You get an individual off an injury that can slip to you. I know, like, they talk about, you know, uh, they got Curtis Samuel and this, that, and the other. Ron Vera talking about he likes his weapons. You don't got a weapon like this if healthy. Like, and, and to, to pair that with scare, with scare, uh, Terry McLaurin, yo, you, I think that's something you got to really think about hard and be like, you know what, maybe I should pull the trigger on this. Okay, so let me ask you this question. When you think about – you know, and I sent you the, or I sent you and Ray the article this afternoon about uh, Deron Payne, uh-huh. right? Um, who Washington is waiting until next year to sign to give a to possibly give a long term contract. We don't know if they're going to be able to sign him or not, right? And you think about how much money you have spread you spent along that defensive line. Yeah. So what are you going to be? So you're gonna you're gonna pay your defensive lineman, your quarterback, and you'll have two wide receivers that are possibly being paid what? in excess of $15 million a year? Your quarterback where, is where else are you going to be able to spread? Your quarterback is only on for this year. The quarterback, if you if next season, we don't have to, depending on what you want to do. No, he's, he's guaranteed. His, his just, contract is guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, so right. one year. So you don't really have that much money tied up. Just for this one season, you have it tied up, tied up into a Carson Wentz. So it's all predicated but, on what Hold on, hold on. Hold on, but you're going to – okay, best-case scenario, Carson Wentz has an above-average career, yeah. above-average year, right? Yeah. A year that's uh, somewhat similar to the year when he was approaching the MVP, yes, when he uh, guided the Eagles through the regular season and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. Let's just for uh, the purpose of this conversation say <laughs> he has that type of year, right? Yeah. I think that I think that's a stretch. Yeah, it's a stretch. That's all laughing. That that's... <laughs> yeah, I, it's a stretch. But let's say he has that type of year, right? So what are you? So what are you going to do? Are you going to go into these next two years with him, no guaranteed money, at twenty six million dollars? No, he, him, and his agent are going to uh, try to negotiate yeah. a longer term contract, and it's going to be in excess of twenty six million dollars. I think this team has already showed their hand in terms of what they value. Um, you mentioned the article you sent about Deron Payne. We can get into it a little bit. Um, but Deron Payne, to me, you let you let, you let my, Matt Ioannidis go. You let um, Tim Settle mm-hmm. go. So you are, these guys are relatively cheaper. So you're already willing to kind of let people go anyway. And guys who you could afford. So I feel like right now, I think if they got a talented – this regime within their guy, they picked their guy. If they picked Jamison Williams, to say that's the, that's the pick for them. They already have a plan in terms of who they're, who they're willing to let go. 
I feel like, yeah, we can say they're tied into whatever because, I mean, the movie makes no sense to say you're not going to try to resign or extend Deron Payne when you let Matt Ioannidis go. You let Tim Settle go. You didn't even have to pay a bag for it. Like, that's not an expensive move. So this team is already letting you know that, in hindsight, like, they're not really – they already have an idea who they want to keep. I think the history says draft a defensive player. The last two offensive studs or dynamic offensive players that I can think of that Washington had were Deshaun Jackson, who they didn't draft, of course, and Clinton Portis. Nobody they draft on the offensive side of the football becomes like this dynamic playmaker. But on defense, Champ Bailey, LeVar Arrington, Brian Arakpo, you can name Sean Taylor, you can name guys in the history that you draft on defense and you got your you got your value plus some. But offensively, they have they have swung and missed too many times, and I feel like you mentioned the best player last year. They didn't take Michael Parsons because they they refused yeah, to move up, get him. The best player. I feel as though you learned from that mistake. But I hear what you're saying too. The yeah, best player the in the best draft. Best player. I, I'm nervous that Jameson Williams his his talent will be wasted here. To be honest, yeah. I, I'm scared that that no. wouldn't work out because yeah. of the way the team is currently constructed. I feel like defense is a safer bet, even though scared money don't make money. Yes, I'm saying like my thing is I know what you're saying, Ray. I feel like I feel that about certain quarterbacks too to come here, right? But um. It, at the end of the day, it's like you got to – if you're talking about an organization that you don't have – like we talk about not having enough talent, right, at certain positions or whatever, like true talent, like real talent. When you're at this point in, in the season when you need – to me, we've already, we've already labeled multiple positions that this team – like offensive lineman, cornerback, um, uh-huh. wide receiver. Um, some may say running back to a certain extent. Not everybody, but some may say that because of the, the ball security situations. Safety. You need they need a lot. So if the player to me the best player is available, you, even quarterback for real, real talk. We just just trash Carson Wentz on the low, like quarterback too. If you if on your board, if the best whoever the best player falls falls down to, I don't even it could be a defense end for all I care. The best player available on your board, you take. If that's if that's if that's uh Sauce Gardner, you take Sauce Gardner. Even though again, you can make an argument that. You 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 got uh you got uh what's his name Willie Jackson you you already got you like old boy from Minnesota in St. Juice you like him so you that means your cornerbacks you do like your starting cornerbacks for real but all right if you want it if you feel like you need a sauce if if Sauce Gardner is better than them you get Sauce Gardner you know what I'm saying like to me or Stingley you know what I'm saying like to me or and like safety Hamilton like whoever your best like whoever falls to you is the bet to you and, and on your board. If he's the best player and he's available, you take him. You're not good enough to say no. You're not good enough. That's to gonna say be no. that's gonna be Stingley most likely because again his draft stock dropped just because he's been injured. But yeah. if you look at his entire career, he's by far, in my opinion, the best corner. I saw his Gardner. Yeah. I'm not trying to disrespect him, and I know they drafted Derek Forrest last year, a teammate uh-huh. of his, so that may factor in as well. But I feel like Derek Stingley, as Jamar Chase, put it that way. Yeah. Jamar Chase was, of course. Awesome in his rookie season. Yeah. They went head-to-head at LSU, just battling each other, preparing each other for games. I think that iron sharpens iron theme works for me in this case. But I'm not disagreeing with either one of you guys. But me and Will T on the same page in terms of building a defensive football team. Uh-huh. It just makes sense to me right now based on the decisions that have already been made and based on what their current roster looks like. And uh, George uh, on Facebook, I mean, you feel free to uh, tweet us. Um at Urban Sports Team, hit us up on IG, um, at Urban Sports Team, our, and, you know, comment our, on our Facebook page. This this topic is on our Facebook page. George, uh, he, he posted on Facebook, 
Kyle Hamilton or draft a stud wide receiver. Um, mm. And uh, uh, yeah. Fish, he um, posted O line or secondary. Um, O line is like interesting O-line. to me. I mean, I know it's needed, but I don't know. Go ahead, Will. What you wanted to say? No, I was going to say O line could be interesting. Um, I think there's projected. I'm looking at a random uh, mock draft right now, and it's projected that three possible. I'm looking at two different ones. Three or four offensive linemen can go in the top ten. Um, you know, with there being teams that possibly need a quarterback, i.e. Pittsburgh Steelers, i.e. Uh, the uh, New Orleans Saints, you never know. Somebody could try to trade into the top ten, and therefore a player drops. A play, a highly rated player drops to Washington. So let's let's for the sake of this conversation say it is a offensive tackle um will let you say take the best player available um how do you feel about that if you're the best player take him that's all i'm like okay. this is you can't you gotta like fans gotta stop having this oh we gotta draft we think we have this position wrapped up you don't you was you won seven games and you don't look good offense you don't look good in defense you didn't look good last year so what are you holding on to like if you got the best player in the on in the draft, I mean on your board, he, the the best player available is a stud. I mean, supposed to be a stud. Your best player available, like, and he's he's top on your board. You take him. You don't have room. If Malik Willis is, if you feel that highly about Malik Willis, you take Malik Willis at eleven. If you feel that high about him, that highly about him. If you if you feel cool about picking at that particular position, you take him. You know what I mean? I don't care. I don't care you hurting feelings, but you're not good enough. You're not like that's the thing. You're not good enough to di- to dispute that. Like you know what I'm saying? Like if you are a certain level of a squad, then yeah, you can you got leeway. You can you got some leeway with it. But you're not that good. The Cowboys let me, let me didn't need, the Cowboys didn't get Michael pa- Ray mentioned Michael Parsons. To a lot of people, Michael Parsons wasn't their number one need. They needed a cornerback. They could have got Sertan. They mm-hmm. didn't get Sertan. They didn't. They got Parsons. You know what I'm saying? Like, get the best player. And they did the same thing with C.D. Lamb. Yeah, same, same thing with C.D. Lamb. Thing. Exactly. We say, well, All right, well, let me ask you this question. With everything that's kind of going on around this team, you know, recently, you know, uh, the D.C. and Virginia state's attorneys have come out and said they want to make, uh, they're going to investigate um, the allegations, the financial, you know, the allegations of, um, not uh, giving fans back their season, their you know their deposits. Um, whenever you know tickets were canceled, or um, I forgot the exact the, the terminology terminology of the exact reason. Do you think is this for you as a fan? Is this draft with all everything that you've heard come out over the past couple of months? Is this draft kind of a reprieve for you for everything that's gone on? You already know. I, you uh, could just focus. You could focus on not worry about the other stuff. I never focus on other stuff because I'm all about sports. That's just me, though. Personally, I'm different from everybody else. I'm just like all about sports. Um, to me, what's with the end? What you do on the field now? Obviously, this this person is an issue with you know morale, right? Keep it a buck. But I only worry about mm-hmm. what's on the field. Like that's how I that's how I roll. But other fans, yeah, they they into. I get it. I don't even. I understand. You know what I'm saying? Because I obviously, like we talk about life, happy home is a happy life, right? Same thing in the, in the sports, in the sports realm, the ownership. You know what I'm saying? Like in the sports realm, same thing applies. Like you own it, everything trickles from the top to the bottom, right? So you know, obviously, 
you know, him being gone, the owner being gone, would probably make a, the whole environment better. But I only care about, I typically really care about, like, what's going to happen on the field with the draft, you know, what kind of player they get or whatever for that particular point. But that's like that. But that's really at the that's temporary though. You know what I'm saying, dude? Like that's temporary. That's not even a long term thing because we you going everything has to you have to have the result on the field to show you what whatever way this team goes. So for me. The draft is temporary, but that's for any football team. Like the draft, it's like the start of football season, basically. When you get the draft, now everything's kind of clicking and rolling. Uh, and, you know, whoever this team gets, everybody, folks are going to feel some type of hope or some type of hype about it, right? When they got Jamin Davis, folks got hype. I got hype. And then, obviously, it turned out this way. You know what I'm saying? So, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what the draft does for multiple NFL teams. Well, well, it goes back to what you said about drafting the best player. Look at the baseball team here in Washington. The learners were criticized for how many years about being cheap. They weren't good owners. But when they drafted stars, Bryce Harper being probably the biggest name, Steven Strasburg, they produced on the field and they ended up winning and it didn't matter. That's the same thing that can happen in Washington if they draft correctly. They bring in good players, excellent players, star players, people the fans want to watch, and people that produce, players that produce on the field, people will forget about Snyder in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, like last year, I'm used to last year, because I, I said this before, Rivera's drafts haven't been the best. And I think he even gave credit to, um, there's a thing there's a thing on Twitter, he gave credit to um, Kyle Smith, who was doing most of the drafting. And then, you know, when Rivera took over, you know, the draft hasn't been as, it hasn't been as successful. But to me, this is all, you know, this is a big thing for Coach Rivera. Like, he has to, to me, he has to have a home run draft pick, because, they decided. They decided to go all, all go all in on Carson Wentz, right? Real talk. Like they decided to do it. Like, and now they don't have no money this season to kind of spend to get other free agents in here to help this this ball club win games uh, this season, right? Now they got to get bargain players. You know what I'm saying? So he gonna, he has to have a good draft. Like he really he has to have a good draft because he doesn't have a good draft. And you looking at another subpar seven and nine. And folks won't blame the quarterback because, and, and they won't blame the OC, the offensive coordinator. They'll say the quarterback was some trash, and they they won't look at the the problem that's within. Um, on Twitter at Bangle uh, at Bangle Lamore um, tweeted um, trade back with Green Bay for the eleven pick. Would you trade back? Uh I wouldn't either. But um, I would. No, so let me let me think. Let me think about this. I would. Okay. Um, for the simple fact that if you can get another first round pick, mm-hmm. um, I know that uh, Rivera's in year three of his, you know, of his program, so he's kind of in a win now situation. But if you can get an extra pick going forward, another first round pick going forward. And you have the slightest inkling that Rivera won't be here next year, then you know why not have two first-round picks with a new GM possibly to, you know, kind of help reboot this team. I mean, what about you, uh, Ray? Would you trade back? I don't think I'm trading back yeah. for the simple fact that, again, what we're talking about. I'm not sure I care about what the analysts say in terms of this being a deep draft or the most talented draft. I know that there's not just this one-star player. However, there's always gems in drafts, Uh and you have a good pick. Last year, what did we talk about? The pick they have is just not in a good – it's not a good spot. Yeah. 
But now they have a good spot. Just outside the top 10, yeah. you can get a top player, take the best player, just like we'll let you been saying. I wouldn't take back. Yeah, I mean, like, I think this is around the realm. I can't try to remember. Where the Cowboys got Micah Parsons? Like, it's around the same realm, right? Like, around. I can't. I don't think it's exactly the number, but around. I feel like it's an opportunity to get a stud. It is. It is. Like, this team has been trying to, you know, get – to me, they would get bargain players or players they felt like this. It's a need, you know. A lot of players have been like you can't. I you can't arguably say some of these players have been the best players in the first round. They've been players of need, right? Like this to me is a situation where you can draft the best available player, not the not the player you think you fits you. Like there's no competition in this position. There's competition in this position, so we can't draft him here because we have this person allocated in this position. But this player that we have right here on the board is a dynamic player that can make special plays in that position. But but we don't want to hurt that guy's feelings, so we're not going to draft him. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a situation to me where at 11 you can you can you can draft the best available player. I don't care if you got Curtis Samuel and you, and you promised him to be the number two wide receiver. I don't care if if James if if, if, James, if Jameson Williams is on the board or Drake London. If you like Drake London. If you like um, Garrett Wilson, you like Chris Olave, if you like any of those players, and you think they're better than, than Curtis Samuel, I don't care. And do you think they can make big-time plays and they could be number one, potential number one caliber wide receivers? You better not be worried about hurting no Curtis Samuel, Samuel uh, feelings. It don't matter. Like, this team has been so pedestrian at whatever they've done, it's time to change up because what you're doing ain't, ain't, ain't working. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, real All quick, right. before I let y'all, before we, before we go into the break, what do you think the direction of the draft should, should they focus heavy on offense or heavy on defense or do like an even blend? Uh, I, I think, okay. So, I think the first pick should be defense, but there are clearly other holes mm-hmm. along the offense that you need to uh, fill. And or positions you need to upgrade along the offense, particularly the offensive line. Um, I think you're okay at – I think you have some interesting pieces at tight end. Um, of course, you need another receiver. And um, you, you have two capable running backs in J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson. But it never hurts to have a third guy that, you know, just in case injuries happen. But I think you should – I think you need to, as you said, take the best talent. But you know, once you get into like those mid rounds of the of the first round, I mean, excuse me, of the first round, excuse me, of the draft, you need to start to identify guys who can you can plug and play along the offensive line, and some more depth along the defensive line because you let two guys who are key to your rotation go. I'll pick it up from there, Will T, because I agree with you with your last point. As I said earlier, the focus should primarily be on defense. You need to increase team speed. You need to build depth, as Wilsey just said. You need to build along the defensive front with the changes that Wole you mentioned earlier. No more Ionatis, no more settle, Deron Payne not being extended. And again, you need a defense that is going to be designed to create turnovers. That will help your offense no matter who's behind center or no matter who's lining up at running back or receiver. If you create a short field, that will that will aid whoever is on your offensive personnel. Now, 
there are some guys in this draft defensively who you can get later on. I like Neil Farrell out of LSU, um, defensive tackle. He looks as though he'll be a nice late, late round selection who you can plug in right away who can be productive. There's also a ton of athletic linebackers. However, based on what I've seen, none of them are prepared to necessarily contribute right away, especially in pass coverage where Washington needs that help. But I still think you can build depth and you can start to develop young guys. So defensively is where I'm at. Guys, I told you, Wally, offensively, they could do more. They could, they could be more creative with Antonio Gibson versus just having him as an every-down back. And I feel like if you make him more like a hybrid weapon, I, I want to say Debo Samuel. Debo's on another level because of who he's playing for. And I, I hope he doesn't leave San Fran because that could be a mistake for him. Anyway, that's another subject. <laughs> but Antonio Gibson, as big as he is, as physical as he is, and as fast as he is, he's played receiver. He could be a, a, a dynamic weapon on offense if you use him correctly. I don't think you need to upgrade too much. Hopefully Curtis Samuel will be healthy. Offensive line, definitely I agree. Sam Howell might also be there in the second round. You yeah. can take him. You can take us to break, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, my bad. All right. <laughs> right. As part of our HBCU <laughs> Corner segment, we'll play our interview with Morgan State University basketball play-by-play team, the voice of Morgan State, Lamont Jeremy, and Heritage Sports Radio Network's own coach, Jimmy Fly Helmet. You'll hear that after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Team. For ages. Get it. Deuces. On Empire Media. That's EmpireMedia.com. I thought you was going to say so, too. HBCU Corner. This segment spotlights coaches and players within HBCU athletics. Here is an interview with the voice of Morgan State University, 
that you know Lamont Jeremy and excuse me Lamont German Germany excuse me and Heritage Sports Radio Networks coach Jimmy Fly Hellman. They are the play-by-play team for Morgan State basketball. We conducted this interview last week. Uh, take a take a listen. Welcome back to the urban sports scene. As part of our HBCU corner, we are now joined by two gentlemen who have decades worth of experience covering HBCU sports and athletics, with our first guest being known as, quote, the voice of Morgan State. He is Mr. Lamont Germany. And last but not least, we also have this brother who I get a chance to talk sports with here and there on the round ball report. He's also part of HSRN, Heritage Sports Radio Network. He is the coach, Jimmy Fly Hellman. Fellas, welcome to the urban sports scene. Hey, hey, what's up? Appreciate the invitation, man. Glad to be on board. No doubt, no doubt. Jimmy, how do you how do you work with Ray? Like, how does that work? Like, do you work with Ray? You work with Ray, like does he does he bother you? Does he annoy you? I mean, you you. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> educate, bring him along to my way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk wizards or none of that stuff. This is going to be a fun discussion. I I, lo- I love the sweater, coach. You know, you drop you dropped a couple pounds, looking good, man. Keep keep the sit ups and all that good stuff up. So, in my brief introduction, I only provided just a, a little detail about your experience and your accomplishment, guys. So, I would like to give you the opportunity to share with our listeners a bit more info just regarding your background and, and what you do. So I guess we'll get started with, with, with you, Mr. Jeremy. Uh, yeah, fellas, first of all, just uh, want to extend my appreciation for you guys inviting me. My career now has been made. I'm on the urban sports scene. It took me a while <laughs> to get to this level, but I worked hard. I kept at it, and I finally arrived. Mom, here I am on the urban sports scene. So it's all good. Uh, Proud graduate of Morgan State University. Uh, Came to Morgan uh, from my hometown, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where I am right now, visiting family. Uh, When I got to Morgan, uh, they didn't have uh, any radio. They didn't have any broadcasting going on. So I volunteered myself to to, uh, go ahead and step in and fill that gap. All the other institutions in the Baltimore area, predominantly white institutions. They had a place in the media landscape and Morgan was an orphan. Uh, there, there wasn't anything going on. So I decided to pick up a microphone and start running my mouth. And I started that way back in 1983. And I haven't shut up since. Uh, I've been doing Morgan football, Morgan basketball, when the volleyball team's playing, I'm on the mic. When the softball team is striking people out, um, I'm, I'm on the mic. So if it's about screaming about Morgan State, in particular HBCUs in general, I've been about that for basically the last last four decades. Amazing. Coach Fly, what do you want to share with the, with the, with the people? Well, since I'm – I'm not an HBCU grad. I'm a graduate of the Geneva College Golden Tornadoes, Beaver Falls, PA, home of Joe, Willie, Namath. But anyways, we have that connection. Uh, LT and I, we're both Pittsburgh guys, grew up in that area. I guess I should say how I met him. I would, you know, when I was coaching in the Maryland JUCO, he was the PA announcer for CCBC Dundalk. So that's how we kind of started talking. 
And I remember just, you know, messing with him saying when I found out he was on the radio saying, you ought to put me on the radio someday. I think I'd be pretty good at that. You know, we we banner back and forth, talk about the Steelers. And then when my coaching finished up, I got a text message uh, from LG saying, you know, meet me at the Hill Field House. I'm putting you on the air tonight. You know, out of the blue, no warm ups, get in the seat, put the headset on, let's go. Uh, it just took off from there. I did the CIAA and the MEAC tournament back to back that year. It was like a basketball junkie addict because I just did game like I must have did 30, 40 games in two weeks. Um, he and then he told me to seat yours if you want it. <laughs> so I've been there ever since. Hey guys, let me just add a little something to Coach's resume. Just a quick addendum. Um, right. <laughs> yes, as he said, he did not go to an HBCU, but he truly bleeds the colors. Uh, we uh-huh. were doing a tournament game, a MEAC tournament game. It was Howard against Morgan. Came down to the final seconds of the game. Howard beat Morgan with a buzzer beater. I turned to this guy. He had tears. I mm-hmm. mean, real tears in right. his eyes. That that day when Morgan lost to Howard at the buzzer in the tournament, uh, a team that may have gone on and won the, the tournament that year. So it's in his heart. He bleeds it. He breathes it. Uh, and uh, he, he, he wears the colors not just for show. He wears the colors because he truly has become a Morgan Bear. Mm-hmm. I had a young lady on that squad, Bianca Jarrett, that graduated from West uh transfer from West Virginia that could just flat out ball and drop. Mm. Th- and that's when the lady pirates of Hampton were dominating, uh, mm. at one, like 50, 60 games in a row. And I did have a tear in my eye. That hurt me. I wanted her to win so bad, but mm. LG had, he had two tears in his eyes. Cause when I looked over him, you know, it, it was just, it was just a boom, boom, shocking miss shot half second throwing in buzzer you know game over you know nothing to review and uh, you know it, it was just a build up of emotion it was like wow because coaching you're emotional you know you you go home and you got this rerun in your head don't you i don't i know it <laughs> yeah man i can relate to some degree but then again i feel like just listening to you guys hey again thank you and i appreciate just your level of commitment, your level of experience and what you're teaching me, because I'm not as passionate as as of yet about my alma mater. You know what I'm saying? I was sitting there thinking that you were talking like, have I ever came close to crying about UMS losing the game? Oh, no, like, no. Probably no, not. No, I haven't. You know what I mean? Now, <laughs> now when I played intramural hoops on campus, you know, it was some times when I was mad. But well, I was, We was passionate. We was passionate. <laughs> I, 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 I do want to see my school, of course, go to the to the NCAA tournament in terms of basketball, and you, you all have achieved that feat at Morgan State. So I'm hating a little bit, but as again, this is all about HBCUs, of course, man. I got love for y'all. So in a few words, we'll start with you, Lamont. Describe your experience over these years just covering HBCU sports and what it means to you. Well, it it, it was um, a new experience for me coming from Pittsburgh, a place where there are no HBCUs anywhere in sight. Uh, my mother insisted that I go to an HBCU. So I just applied at a handful and Morgan was the one that came in first. Uh, and relatively close, four or five hours away. And I did have a cousin who lives in Baltimore, still does. So I had some family down the way. 
But I, I stepped on foot. Uh, my first um, experience at Morgan was as a stranger. I didn't really know anybody. Um, I'm probably a little shy and reserved by nature. Uh, and I think being on the radio helps me to hide my shyness, if you know what I mean. I kind of hide behind that veneer of the microphone. Um, and when I saw that that gap that I mentioned earlier, where there was no voice for Morgan State University, I just said, uh, why not me? And so I jumped in the pond and kind of learned as I went along about what this HBCU thing is all about. And I learned day by day on campus and game by game going to other campuses about, first of all, the depth, the richness of the history. There are so many stories that are untold. There's a lot of stories that are told, but there are so many that are untold about the HBCU athletic uh, experience. And don't get me started across the board when it comes to business and science and industry and religion and entertainment on HBCU campuses. But if we just want to confine ourselves to the athletic realm, that, that can fill up a library. Uh, I'm so proud of the history at Morgan State University, one of the more accomplished HBCUs athletically. Unfortunately, fellas, most of Morgan's accomplishments came pre-1980, before I got there. Uh, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s are filled with Hall of Famers, records, championships on the track, on the football field, uh, baseball. Morgan had a great baseball team people don't know about in the 40s and 50s. A great women's basketball program back uh, in the 70s. And then I came along and things didn't go as well for the mm. orange and the blue uh, starting in 1980. We had that oasis that you alluded to when Todd Bozeman came on the scene uh, about, uh, I guess, about 10, 15 years ago now. Uh, on the basketball court. And for the first time, Morgan went to the Division One Big Dance. And there I was, man, rubbing <laughs> shoulders with the big boys. Yes, sir. <laughs> Not just once or twice, but I kind of got used to it. And I said, yeah, I can do this uh, all the time. Uh, but if you've never experienced basketball on that level, uh, that, that, that should be on everybody who's a hoop head. Got to be on your bucket list. It really is uh, a great experience. And to see HBCUs not only go to those places, but to win. Mm. When, when Fang Mitchell went there and won mm. in uh, a number uh, uh, 15 seed, they beat, mm. a, they beat a number two seed mm. uh, when they pulled off the uh, big upset over South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, back in the 90s. Uh, that was so exhilarating. For me as a Morgan guy, Morgan's across town from Howard. I mean, from Coppin. Coppin mm-hmm. my, my, my first reaction was, okay, I'll admit it, a little jealousy. Of course. But just of course. a little. <laughs> hey, a little, little bit. bit. Why, yeah, just a little bit. I, I'm, I'm human. But, you know, why not us? But then it was love. Then I thought to myself, that is us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're all part of this. Thing. We all share mm-hmm. in that joy. And to see it happen again and again. Hampton did it. Norfolk State. Uh, did it, able to pull off a big upset in in the tournament. And um, one of my biggest moments behind the microphone was when Morgan went to the University of Maryland campus. This is when Gary Williams 
Uh-huh. He's still the head coach yep. at, at, at Maryland. And Morgan beat Maryland at College Maryland. Park. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's never been a better feeling on the microphone for me in 40 years. I still remember that moment like it was yesterday. Uh, when when Morgan beat Maryland at Maryland, and boy, that was an unforgivable sin for Turk country. They wanted to hang Gary Williams upside down by his toenails, uh, losing to uh, to to Morgan State. So I could go on, but it, it's been a rich experience, a fulfilling experience, and the HBCU experience is something I wouldn't trade for anything, anything in the world. Coach Fly, you want to add anything just about what it means to you, man, to be covering HBCUs as well? Sorry, man. Go ahead. No, I, I, um, you know, when I was coaching in the JUCO and, 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 you know, stopped coaching when I finished coaching up there, I guess it was about 2010, somewhere around in there, um, when Lamont brought me on the radio, I, I, you know, I thought this was going to be the end for me, basketball wise. You know, I would just yeah. sit on the couch and I was already announcing on the couch at, at home for years. So actually when I put the heads, it wasn't difficult <laughs> for me, but I, I just like to add the, the level of talent and professionalism of Lamont. Uh, mm-hmm. during, you know, a lot of people might, you know, not know who he is uh, on a broader scale, you know, not uh, nationally, but th- this man has talent. I've listened to a lot of broadcasters. This guy, could easily be on ESPN, on NBA broadcast, mm-hmm. doing anything, football or basketball-wise. He kind of brought me along, taught me the radio business, how this thing works. And it was just a natural fit. I mean, I I understood how once I started doing games with him, I understand, you know, he talks real fast. <laughs> <laughs> I talk a little bit slower, but I learned how to, you know, he taught me how to get in and out, get – you know, condense what I got to say because basketball is fast and football, you know, you got a minute, you know, two minutes maybe between plays, you can talk. Basketball, you got to get in, get out, make your point and move on. But him and I have a a very good uh, chemistry, I think, you know, on the mic together. And uh, so I appreciate him extending my career in the basketball world. Mm. So, so coach Jimmy, I, mean, I, I coach basketball, you know, I've been coaching like for 10 plus years. I, I see that you, you know, you're a coach and I've did, I've seen a lot of your stuff on round ball report on, on YouTube and whatnot. And, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. and no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Right. And I, I dig, I dig you. I dig your basketball mind. I, I can tell that, you know, your X's and O's like to a different level. So for me, you know, viewing coaches and whatnot, coaching, I mean, watch. I mean, obviously, doing games at HBCU. Who are some of the best coaches that you've seen as HBCU coaches? Well, I I watched two of them up close and personal, Coach mm-hmm. Bowe, and I came right after they won uh, a couple of MEAC titles. I've done three championship games with Lamont, uh, where they unfortunately lost to A and T Central and then Norfolk State uh, two years ago. But Coach Bozeman. Definitely. Uh, and then mm. Coach Brodus, I like mm. a, a whole lot. I think he's going to, you know, he's had success there, but I think he's going to get over the hump and get them back into March Madness. But Fang Mitchell was still there. Mm. State, you know, which I always respected him. And uh, his, his uh, the women's coach who at Coppin 
who was his assistant coach when he started in the JUCO in New Jersey, I think at Gloucester, before he came to Coppin. He became the head coach of the women. These, I mean, these guys have basketball minds when you talk to them, watch them. Fag Mitchell hadn't lost anything when they got rid of him. He still was coaching. I'm watching these guys on the sidelines. Um, you got to go down to North Carolina Central, Coach uh, Moten, who mm-hmm. and consistent winner down there. And uh, the guy from Norfolk State in Hampton before they left. I mean, there's a lot of good coaches in mm-hmm. there. And my thing is always, is I will always say, some of these guys like Coach Moten down in uh, Central, he could coach in the ACC, give him the same mm-hmm. type of players. Mm-hmm. And he's successful, you know. But some of these guys, unfortunately, won't, you know, get the shot to the bigger level because for whatever reasons, these bigger conferences won't promote a coach that's at a MEAC or SWAC school. Um, that's just the way it is. So, so close when you're doing a game, like when you're doing a game and you're watching, you know, I mean, having a basketball mind, having an, 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 an elite basketball mind, to be honest with you, what are you looking for? Like, what are you trying to look at? What keys are you looking for? Well, I got to see Lamont and I, we don't have the benefit of having producers and, and <laughs> giving us all the data. We got to do that homework ahead of time. And Lamont, you know, breaks everything down in uh, gotcha. sheets. So I, I, but I do my own homework. But I'm I'm looking at, you know, the last five or six games. I might watch some tape, uh, each team, what kind of defenses they're playing, their style. But for doing it for so long, I pretty much know the teams now in those conferences, uh, when they're playing other opponents. But I I always look for styles. I look for how they score, how they defend, because you can kind of figure out how this game is gonna go. And that's that's before the game law, I was say coach Jimmy Fly. Break it down. <laughs> game. Let me just add one other element to coach's preparation that uh-huh. he left out. Because mm-hmm. it isn't always just the X's and O's and the stats and the wins and the losses. But coach does an extremely good job of getting to know the individual players awesome. on the team. He reaches out and touches the players personally. I seen before games teaching players how to shoot free throws. I mean, he's literally at the free throw line. Now, this is where you stand, and this is how you hold the ball, and this is your release point, and this is where you're aiming, and this is how you got to just shoot 85% from the free throw line if you do what I'm telling you. I'm saying, Coach, they ain't paying you to do that. Come back over here and sit with me. Look, Coach, you ain't teaching them to step back? You're not teaching them to step back or the dirt one-legger? You ain't teaching them to de- um, <laughs> Like two minutes. I got to get in and get out before somebody sees me and tells me to get out of the building. <laughs> but that's right, the guys, other so, element uh, that's important is the personal element. Because uh, these mm-hmm. are people, and we like to relay those personal stories w- when we broadcast as well. Oh, obviously. <laughs> so, obviously, we've already kind of alluded to it with all the increased exposure and its growing attention on HBCU athletics. Which includes, of course, your Morgan State Bears. They they took part in NBA All Star Weekend. I just want to get your feel. Where do you think HBCU sports are headed? And in your opinion, also, what's the future of the MEAC? Well, I love all the attention mm-hmm. that HBCU athletics 
and HBCUs more broadly have been getting. My my only reservation is, is it a flavor of the month situation? Mm. Uh, are, are we going to be, you know, here mm. today, embrace today, and then kick to the curb uh, tomorrow? Uh, because mm. this is a long-term thing. Uh, this isn't something that uh, is going to be able to be fully embraced in a week, a month, a year. So I want to see where all these different entities who have been embracing HBCUs where are they six months from now? Where are they a year from now? Where are they five years from now? Are they still in it when the lights are out and there's no longer the same kind of focus? That's my only that's my only mm-hmm. reservation about it. But Ray, to answer your question, NBA All Star Weekend, I think that was a fantastic platform for uh, Morgan and Howard. I think it was a great idea conceptually. Uh, what the NBA did, and just for those who may not be aware, Morgan and Howard were a part of the All-Star Weekend, and this year the All-Star Game was in Cleveland, Ohio, played as it always is on that Sunday. But the day before, on Saturday, it was Morgan playing Howard. And I can't tell you what it meant for the players on Morgan and Howard's team to be playing a game where you sit and you look and there's LeBron watching you. And mm-hmm. Steph is watching you. And, and, and they're seeing their heroes. And now they're performing uh, before them. It's as if you're a singer and Stevie Wonder is watching. Uh, you know, you're, watching. you're performing on a stage. <laughs> yeah, you're watching. Don't do that. I'm, like, Listen to you. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm watching. <laughs> Don't do that. He's watching what it is. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> but, but, but admit something. To the, uh, to, to the Howards and the Morgans. And again, this is something I hope is still here a year from now, five years from now. I just want to say real quick, that's what this is about. It's about people knowing the history. And I want to quickly show Coach Broder some love because when he came on with us, he he pointed out how when he was in school and he went to Bowie State, he said, you can go to FAMU. And there was as many NFL players on that campus that's on the campus of Alabama and Oklahoma. Because back then, it was the norm for players from HBCUs to go to the or to make it to the pro level. And I don't think people know that. Kind of what you're saying is that Wole, you you started nodding immediately because we know some people are just jumping on the bandwagon trending. because They're it's a trending. hot topic. Yeah. Right. And that, like you, like you kind of alluded to, can fade eventually because the news cycle changes all the time. So that's what we're doing here to keep it going, to keep this movement alive, and also to teach people the history. Because um I also I always recommend that um people go back and watch Black Magic, the ESPN documentary. I don't know if you saw that, but mm-hmm. it was amazing, man. And um, just educational. So I, I'm not going to say too much more than that. But Wole, I don't know if you want to go to the next question or not. No, I want to ask. I, want, I, want, okay. I kind of want to piggyback on what you were talking about. Is, okay. I was going to ask the question is like, so how can we make this a long-term thing? Like Ray and I, mm-hmm. our idea is, is like to kind of like be a part of the cog, the cog and, you know, obviously have have segments like this. But for you, in your in your opinion, how can we – make this a long-term thing rather than this this fear of being a trendy thing. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of things that will be important to keep this train moving down the track and, and ensure that this isn't something that a year from now we're talking about from a historical perspective rather than a here uh, and now perspective. Um, when opportunities present themselves, uh, such as it did with Morgan and Howard, this past weekend, it's about putting your best foot forward. 
And I think that's what happened with Morgan and Howard. Uh, they put a great product. It was a great game. It showed off the individual skill set of the two, of uh, the players on the two teams, but also showed off HBCU flavor because it's a whole different vibe, that HBCU vibe. You know it, UMBS. It's, it, it's different. Morgan's about five minutes from Loyola um, and about maybe 10 minutes from Towson. If you step on Towson's campus on a game day or Loyola's campus on a game day in Morgan's, it's no question which one is the HBCU. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the moment you set your foot in the gym or in the football stadium. And that vibe being shared on that level, uh, in this case, the HBCU All-Star Weekend NBA level, is something that Morgan and Howard did. And I think that will help to make sure that next year they do it again, 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 and we start to build on it. And then the second component is we can't be afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. We, it, it's not like, and I think Chris Paul put it the, the best way. It's not like the NBA is doing HBCUs a favor. He said, you deserve to be here. You deserve to be on this platform. The talent you bring, the history you bring, the intensity you bring, the entertainment value you bring, you should be here. You belong here. So it's not like you're indebted to us. No, we're indebted to you. And so we can't be ashamed to to step up, uh, speak up uh, to make sure that this thing continues and doesn't become flavor of the month. Well, I'd like to add one thing to what Lamar says, because I agree with everything he said there. Just let me throw in the, the atmosphere, because I love the Morgan State band. He knows. <laughs> when there's nobody in the gym, I'm like, we need we need to pump in band music <laughs> to these games. But it just brings another dimension uh, to the atmosphere on, on campus in the Hill Fieldhouse. But this is something I talked with Lamont several years ago and we've had these conversations to me there's another component the and i asked him about this whether these conversations taking place and these got to be taking place at the top level with the presidents of the college and the people running these institutions the MEAC is down to eight teams when i joined the mark they were at 13 teams so they've lost five schools uh, Florida and Bethune Cookman went back to SWAC. Savannah State went to Division II. Hampton AT, you know, left the building for bigger conferences. Mm-hmm. But they only have six football teams left. Eight schools, UMAS and Coppin State don't play football. Yeah. They are at a crossroads to me that nobody is mentioning that if they if one more school with a football team drops out, they're, they're gonna be in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Um my thing was that I talked to Lamont years ago was that why is there not a conversation here about whack and the MEAC joining forces? Just look at the Big Ten. They got, you know, 12, 14 teams. ACC got like 16 teams. But now you can create a TV market, even though it's going to be south and northeast. Mm-hmm. But the power of having all those schools in one conference. All right, and a Grambling coming up to play, you know, Howard or Morgan State, you know, Southern, vice versa. If you create that, you can create a TV package that will give them the dollars because 
to sustain this and grow it even bigger, you need money to do that. Um, to me, that's a no-brainer. I don't know, like Lamont would know more whether that those discussions have been had or not. But to me, you have to have a vision uh, if you're at these schools. Because say, say Norfolk State bolts and leaves the MIAC. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not going to have any CIAA teams going to step in, go up to Division One, cost too much money, and you already have that have a plan in place to do that. So now mm-hmm. you'd have to bring in outside teams that are not HBCU. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that should be priority number one. And then the second thing I would say, the Chris Pauls of the world and LeBron James and these guys that are stepping up and giving exposure to this. I know uh, Stephon Curry gave a million dollars, I believe, to Howard. To yeah, two million to the golf program. program. Yeah. Golf program, yeah. But these guys are multi-millionaires, all mm-hmm. right? It would be nothing for them to each say, hey, I'm, we'll get like 30 of us. We're going to give a million dollars each mm. to schools right. to help fund, you know, their athletic programs. But again, these are things, you know, you got to have a vision for this. You got to get these people in the room and say, we appreciate everything you're doing, you know, but we, we need cash is king. So, I'd like to hear what Lamont thinks of my thoughts. Um, I, I'm on board with everything you said, Coach. I want that day to come where I see an HBCU did, do with uh, St. Peter's, uh, mm. the mid-major school in Jersey City. Yeah. New Jersey did this year. Uh, made a deep run in the tournament. Yes, sir. Uh, and, and I think there's absolutely no reason why that can't be an HBCU. I'm going to go further than that. Not just an HBCU, but multiple. HBC mm, I love in it. the top 20, in the top 25, uh, in the Sweet 16. I think that that is a vision that doesn't have to remain just a pipe dream, but it's going to mm-hmm. take what, what Coach talked about. You have to have those foundational things, and they begin with support and resources in order to first build it and then sustain it. And um, as it regards to MEAC, yeah, they're on the precipice. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, they have to find membership or they got to find a partner and no better partner than the SWAC. And uh, if the SWAC and the, and the MEAC aren't having those conversations, they should. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, the MEAC has to have their doors open uh, to new members coming on board. It might just be you and me, man, the way it's looking, Morgan and you and me, yes. That might be it. <laughs> that might be the MEAC. We're going to be there in person then. The full well, I do, I, I do have a follow-up question because you I mean that's that's a good that's a good point that coach coach Jimmy made. Um but does football hurt that though? Because you know the swag has such a has a, such a good football conference in terms of notoriety compared to the MEAC. You know it's wild, but because South Carolina State in the MEAC when it has the celebration bowl, I think the MEAC is killed has won that have the celebration bowl like about five five years in a row or something like that. Um but in terms of like the image of the SWAC, like their football programs are pretty are more popular. So does yeah, that hinder it? Yeah, you're right. The, the SWAC has done a better job at marketing. Yes. The, the MEAC has done a better job at playing football. Yes. When when they actually <laughs> play the SWAC, they yes, beat them. They, they beat the SWAC. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Time and time again. Mm-hmm. Not, not just this year with South Carolina State and Jackson State. But the MEAC has owned the celebration. Yes, they owned it, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Ever since it was birthed. And the same with they have a game at the beginning of the year, the MEAC mm-hmm. SWAC uh, challenge. It kicked off the season. Mm-hmm. And the MEAC has had its way 
uh, in that as well. But you're right. The MEAC has to pick up its marketing mojo. Mm -hmm. If you're winning on the field, why should you be the lesser conference when it comes to visibility if you're beating that conference year in and year out? And that says that uh, the SWAC has embraced the importance of marketing in a way that the MEAC needs to learn and step up their game. Definitely. Well, oh, you, he's giving you an idea, too. Yeah, yeah, coach. Coach, I mean, yeah. No, I just want to say, because when, when you go, like when I went to the CIAA for my first time years ago, mm -hmm. it was down in Charlotte. Now, I'd never been to the CIAA. I know who Bowie State is and a couple of the schools, but I didn't know the, the history of it. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, doing my research and find out this is the most profitable uh, tournament outside the ACC. <laughs> yeah. It is. Every one, you know, tournament that there is, mm -hmm. you know. But it, it goes back to that was like a fraternity. That, that was like a family reunion when you went down there because you have generational people. You got grandfathers and their children went and now their grandchildren are attending these universities. That's why I say if the SWAC and the MEAC joined forces, it should be a marketing bonanza for Bank America or, or whoever because mm -hmm. you have generations of family units that have gone to these institutions and now these kids that are going to graduate as engineers and doctors, whatever they're going to be in life, they're going to buy houses. They're going to buy cars. They're going to be consumers which is what drives marketing. So these people would have access, you know, to that conference. If you join forces, that's got to be, you know, a billion dollar proposition for, you know, companies that are selling stuff. So to me, you get a TV deal and, and blow this up, then you're creating new rivalries with these schools that, you know, play each other occasionally, but now, we'll, you know, compete against each other on a regular basis. And then I just add, when you get guys like uh, Deion Sanders coming in as a head coach and this kind of thing, let's not forget the NIL. Because right. NIL is a big thing now. Because a, a kid can go to an HBCU that, that's got NIL money coming in. He doesn't have to jump to the, try to jump to the NBA that quick if he's not ready. Mm -hmm. you know, Because he's already getting paid. So I think there's ways recruiting wise and that, that type of thing that you can get top tier talent. But to me, what I want to see is a joining a marriage of the SWAC and the MEAC and then get money behind it. Because I think that in, in a 10 year time, that thing will go to where you're all talking about. You want to see it go. Yeah, I was just getting ready to say you gave me my next idea for a show in the future. Had a MEAC commissioner on here with me. And with us, I should say, because uh, these are questions I would love to ask. But for the sake of time, I want to condense my, my last two questions because it's been some big names, especially Lamont. I know you've seen it. Uh, Vashante Shanko, you, 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 I'm sure you covered him. Uh, Butch Beard, some big names that have come through Morgan State. What are some players and or coaches that just stand out when you think of all your years of covering, you know, Morgan State athletics? What guys can you you highlight that just automatically come to your mind that still resonate with you to this day? Um, I probably would spotlight a couple of individuals who don't get spotlight, um, if I could. 
Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, going to step sweet. off the football field. I'm going to take it outside of the basketball arena. I'm, I'm going to talk about a softball player, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, we, we, we do have HBCU softball. As a matter of fact, softball season as we speak. And that's a sport that's now emerging a little bit more nationally, getting a little bit more attention uh, bit by bit. Uh, Morgan had a softball player about 15 years ago from California, Sacramento, California, uh, named Tanisha Kemp. And if you know anything about softball, um, outside of the pitcher, uh, the shortstop gets all the action on the field. And if you don't have a good shortstop, you're not going to have a good team. Uh, this young lady could cover anything that was hit in the infield, did not get through her, had a rocket right arm and then when she picked up the wood the balls would be flying all over morgan state's campus there are still broken windows on campus that this young lady broke with uh, uh home runs she was hitting and i bring her up because a lot of times we just kind of default to basketball mm. and football and, and, and no hate no no, I no scream and holler about football and basketball myself over the last four decades but HBCUs have produced athletes in other sports that uh-huh. can play with people on any level. And the young lady that I'm talking about can play the game on the Olympic uh, level, uh-huh. um, um, on the international level, and could have played at any prominent, predominantly white institution, but chose to come to uh, Morgan State University, help elevate the softball program that just won its first championship. Uh, just this uh, past season. Uh, she long since graduated, but she helped uh, steady the ship, give Morgan a little bit of attention. And she's one of the better just athletes in any sport that I've ever seen uh, since I've been at Morgan State University is uh, Tanisha Kemp, who was a, a softball athlete. And I mentioned her because, again, that's a sport that doesn't get a lot of attention. And she's an individual that doesn't get a lot of attention. Ole, I know you're gonna look her up, right? Oh, you know I am. That's all you know I am. You so, know I'm kind of working on it already. You already know. Coach, Coach Fly, any, anybody stand out for you over the years, man? Coaches, uh, players. As he just mentioned, don't have to be anybody that's well known. Well, no, the two two guys most recent, I, I'll say basketball wise, because that's more uh, my lane. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy Baxter, who just graduated uh, the previous year got uh, caught on, I think he's with Chicago in the G League. But I remember the first time, Lamont, I'll tell you, the first time I saw him, you know, in a practice or in a game, and he came from UNLV via Florida Gulf Coast. 6'9", dude, he had NBA hops. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I say, yeah, I'm talking the top level. This dude, I don't know if they measured him, he had to have at least a 36, if not a 40-inch vertical. That I'm not exaggerating. Mont will tell you this guy, his dunks were so ferocious. The first time I seen him dunk, I said to Lamont, I said, this, this guy could win an NBA dunk contest. Mm. I playing the NBA. I just said, if he was in a dunk contest, he could win. Well, he won the, the college dunk contest in the final four, his senior year from mm. Oregon state. Um, but he did catch on with the G league. You know, he needed to work on his defense and his three-point shooting got better. But just pure athleticism, 
you don't see guys like that coming through the MEAC. And the other guy uh, was Taiwan Canley, um, LG. City Go-Go. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he made it with the Go-Go's. Uh, I think he still – I think he went to the Lakers G League team this past year. I don't know if he's stuck. But he was in the bucket. I mean, he was getting double teamed every game. But this guy just had a capacity to split double teams and just wreak havoc on teams. And, and, you know, 30 points. You could just punch it in. Yeah, I know you're a little PG County guy. <laughs> he, went to, he went to Roosevelt. I just Roosevelt. In there, man. Yeah, but, My but school. It had, he, had, <laughs> he, he could score the basketball with the best of them. And to get to the next level, to get to the NBA level at this point in time, you're not getting there just playing defense. You better be able to score. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Guys, listen, we, of course, could go on all day. Uh, I, I would love to hear more of you guys' stories and just, you know, just get more of your wisdom. But, of course, for the sake of time, like I said, we're going to get ready to wrap up. Is there anything you all want to add? And you know, like I mentioned, man, we got to do this again. But, but, but before I let you go, um, anything else you want to add? Um, I don't see either one of you guys on social media, so I don't think I need to ask that we need to follow you or <laughs> nothing like that. But still, um, just just share with our listeners just any more info about yourselves or, you know, what you got going on that you would like for folks to know. Well, actually, I am on Twitter. I think I've sent, like, oh. two tweets in my life. I'm working on the third <laughs> So if anybody wants me to read my two tweets, it's Radio G, G-E-E, uh, is my handle uh, on Twitter. I've been told I need to pick up my game and maybe hang around with you fellas. Yes, you can't hang, <laughs> hang with us anytime. We'll show you about the tweet game. We'll show you the tweet game. Yeah, Ray don't got the tweet game. You, you can hang with me. Okay. I'm not, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll <laughs> help you. I'm going to look you up now, though. I, I, I need some help, though, fellas, in that area. And Ray, you'll see that when you look me up that I need some assistance. <laughs> so if you guys can help me with that, I'd appreciate it. Definitely. But I, I'd encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, this is really crucial to have folks who love HBCUs embrace HBCUs. Uh, it's, uh, when we show appreciation for each other, that helps to elevate everybody in the HBCU landscape. And I'll, I'll, I'll end where I began. If there's anything else moving forward that I can do, any way that I can contribute to uh, what you guys are doing, just reach out and touch, and uh, Lamont, Germany will be there. Thank you guys for having me on. Here nice I go. Pro, nice picture, man. Yeah, that's me. How many tweets <laughs> do I have, man, by the way? Does it say? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, see, I, I'm not that savvy. It, it, oh, should okay. tell you, though. it should tell um, you. You have not tweeted since 2021, though, so okay. that'll tell you something. So that's a um, year. That's not I'm as bad as I thought it would be. I thought it would be like 20, 20, 2017. Oh, you have 160 total tweets, so it's a little more. Than okay, okay. All that's right. not bad. All right. That's All not bad. Right. All right, but I still need your help, man. I still need your help. <laughs> I'm, here, I'm here for you. I got zero tweets. <laughs> And it's, <laughs> I can work with you too. No, 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 say, no, no, no. I, I say too loud. We don't want to do it. Well, later, we don't want to oh. do that. One. <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna go there. We're trying to wrap up, man. Go to round ball report, Urban HSRN. The people listening, if they love HBCUs, you got to turn it. You got to download the HSRN app. You can listen to you know games across the country, football, basketball. Put it, put it on your uh, thing to do list. 
All right, cool. I, I downloaded. I used to keep it during basketball season so I can listen to you. And then for space reasons, I deleted and I got to bring it back. You know, but <laughs> I, I do love HSRN, though, of course. I, you're not the only person I know that's been down with HSRN. So that, that's sweet. But guys, again, thank you, Real Talk, for joining us. I appreciate the knowledge. Like I said, I'm sure you got more to offer and we'll do this again. But thanks again. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thank, thank you, you, partner. All right, guys. Thanks. Man, wasn't that dope? It was amazing. You had again. You had the Morgan State University play-by-play team for the basketball team. Um, Lamont, Jeremy, he is the voice of Morgan State, and Coach uh, Jimmy Fly Elman. A dope show. Actually, I want to read a, um, a post that we just got from on Facebook for about, about our Washington Commanders you know, segment. We talked about what, what should Washington do with the 11th pick overall. The homie M. Sean Wilcox said Malik Willis. He wants Washington to take Malik Willis. Hey, they feel like Malik Lewis. Willis, you mean Malik Willis is the best player on the board? Got to get him. Got to get him. Hey, man, again, thanks thanks for everybody tuning in. Uh, you Don't forget to also check out, you know, all of our HBCU Corner segments. On YouTube, they're on our Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel. So make sure you check out our interviews. If you want to see the video format of HBCU Corner, man, we jump in. We And if you got a homie, you got a coach, you got content creators from HBCUs, a HBCU player who just trying to be put on, who wants to be interviewed by the Urban, Urban Sports Scene, jump on, man. We're here for you. We're here to promote HBCUs. I don't care you play basketball, tennis, you know, uh, golf. You know, volleyball, bowling, we out here. We out here to promote you. So just know we out here for you. We believe in all of our HBCUs. Hey, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Tune in our Heart Radio and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, also follow us on Twitter at Urban Sports Scene, on IG at Urban Sports Scene, and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. YouTube channel I just mentioned, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yo, we trying to grow up, man. We trying to grow. We trying to blow up from the flow up, you know? All right, check out the home of the urban sports scene, Amp Pyre Media at amppyremedia.com. And this show can be found on Podcast DC. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Amp Pyre shows as well as other great content. Okay, again, thank you all for tuning into the urban sports scene. You know we appreciate it. All right, how, how does it go? Okay, I know. You've been listening to the Urban Sports Saint for ages. Yitig Deuces. Hey, Mega, do me a favor, bro. Get this out, big homie. Deuce.